and I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not doze off. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And as we have gathered in our homes, even as the New Testament church did, we're here to hear from you. And I thank you in advance that you've already put in my heart what you want your people to hear. And I step back so the Spirit of God can step up. And I thank you, Father, that the Spirit of God is going to take this message from these cameras and, Father, expose it to those who are watching in their homes. And I declare that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of this word because Jesus always confirms his word with signs following. In Jesus' name I pray that everybody at home say amen and amen. God bless you. Well, who would have ever known that in 2020 we would be having church over the internet because we could not come to the facility because of a virus. But one thing I'm excited about, everybody say he's excited. One thing I'm excited about is Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Upon the word, I'm going to build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which says that if I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ, I'm coming out of this thing better than when I went in. I'm coming out on top of this virus and not on the bottom. I'm coming out blessed and not cursed. Why? Because I'm a member of the church. If there's any organization that's going to win through this thing, it's going to be the church of Jesus Christ. And if I were you, I would stay connected to the church because we are guaranteed to win. Say right there at your home, I'm a winner. Say I'm guaranteed to win. Amen. So uh, what I want to do today is to give you some vitamin C. So Pastor Evan, there's no such thing as vitamin C. Yes, it is. It's called faith. So if you're taking notes, and by the way, I'm going to send these notes out to everyone via email this week. If you're taking notes, the message title is Faith in Challenging Times. Faith in Challenging Times. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Now, you already know, Pastor Evan, I'm going to use lots of scripture, but I promise you today, your life will never be the same if you listen. Now, in 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whosoever or whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Listen to what it says now. If I'm born again of God, I'm going to overcome the world. And then it says, And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Watch this now. Even our faith. So it's my faith that helps me overcome the world. Verse 5 says, Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now the New Living Translation says this. For every child of God, everybody say I'm a child of God. For every child of God defeats this evil world. 
Now listen to me, church. If you can't see evil in the world right now, you need bifocals. Because there is evil going around. He says, but every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory, watch this now, through faith. Not just through weight. See, some of you all are waiting for the virus to be over. No, no, no. It didn't say wait. It says, but through faith. And then it says in verse 5, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. So if we are believers in Jesus Christ, then you have to be believers in the Word. In other words, they go together. Why? Because He is the living Word. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2 says, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him nothing was made. When you jump down to verse 14, it says, And that Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Which means Jesus is the living Word. So if you and I are going to overcome this world with our faith, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. But in addition to believing in Jesus Christ, you have to believe in the Word. Say amen to that. So those of us who believe in Jesus Christ and the Word will be those who overcome the world. Watch this now. As long as we utilize our faith. So I'm going to give you seven things. Everybody say seven things. Come on, say seven things right there at your house. Say seven things. I'm going to give you seven things that will help you utilize your faith in challenging times. Now, before I give you those seven things, I want to give you the foundation of how faith works. Okay? Because I can't tell you to use your faith in challenging times until you understand the foundation of faith. So, faith has five expectations. In other words, there are five expectations. When you're functioning in faith, these are five things you can expect. Amen. Now, these are five things that you can expect to show up when you're standing in faith. In other words, if you're saying, I'm standing in faith for healing. I'm standing in faith for a house. I'm standing in faith for whatever it is. If you're saying you're standing in faith, these are five things you can expect to happen. I call these things the forerunners of faith. So here's number one very quickly, and that is a plan of action. Everybody say, a plan of action. A plan of action. And this is when God will give you a plan on what to do. An example of this would be when God gave Joshua a plan to overtake the city of Jericho. Remember, he told him, march around it so many times. And when you march around it so many times, at the end, we're going to do a shout. And then the walls fell down. That was a plan of action. Everybody say, a plan of action. Here's number two, the wisdom of God. These are things when you're standing in faith, you can expect God to do. Wisdom of God. What is that? That is natural and supernatural insight and instructions on what to do in my situation. Because where we are as a country, you're going to need some wisdom of God to get through what you're going through. Amen. Here's a good example of the wisdom of God. God took, used Moses to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. When they began to escape, it got to a point where the army was behind them and then the Red Sea was before them. Moses said, God, what do I do? And God said to Moses, what's in your hand? He says, a rod. He said, lift it up. And when Moses lifted up the rod, 
The Bible says the Red Sea parted. In other words, the wisdom from God got Moses out of that situation. Everybody say the wisdom of God. And then here's number three, favor of God. And this is where God will lay on someone's heart to use their power, their influence, their resources, and their ability to help us. And then number four, when you're standing in faith, you can expect a miracle. And a miracle is a supernatural power that overrides the norm and natural laws. 1 Kings 17.1 is a good example. When God calls ravens to feed Elijah, the man of God. You say, well, how is that a miracle, uh, Pastor Eben? It's a miracle because those types of birds ate meat. So God suppressed the appetite of that bird to feed Elijah. Everybody say, that's a miracle. Come on, say, that's a miracle. And then number five is, if none of those things happen, then God will give you strength to endure until your change comes. In other words, let me say it like this. Sometimes you have to faith it out. You know, the Bible says it like this. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. So let's jump now into the seven things. Those five things I just gave you are what you can expect God to do or provide you with when you're standing in faith. These seven things now are the things that you can do while being in faith. Because listen, if you're not doing something, you're not in faith. Wow. What do you mean? The Bible says faith without works is what, class? It's dead. Which means that if I'm saying I'm in faith, but I'm doing nothing, I'm not in faith. Watch this now. I'm in hope. So, here's number one if you're taking notes. This is the first thing you're going to do when faith in, uh, when facing challenging times. You're going to refocus on who your source is. You're going to refocus on who your source is. Why? Watch this now. This is good. Because your focus will feed your fears or your faith. Ooh, this is good right here, church. I'm going to say that again. Number one, you're going to refocus on who your source is. Why? Because your focus will feed your fears or feed your faith. We see a good example of this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. This is when Jesus was walking on the water. The disciples thought he was a ghost. When Peter saw him, he said, Jesus, if that's you, hey, let me come on the water so I can walk. So we pick up the story in verse 28 now. And it says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come on the water. And the Bible says, he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, watch this now, he walked on the water. He did what? He walked on the water. And the Bible says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So watch this now, class. That means when Peter stepped out of the boat, his focus was on Jesus because the Bible says that's where he was going. So listen, he was going to Jesus when he stepped out of the boat. But then the next verse in verse 30 says this, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he became afraid. Wow. Once his focus shifted off of Jesus, and he focused on his circumstances. Watch this now. Fear set in and his faith stopped. Because, listen, I said it to you and I'm going to say it again. Whatever you focus on, you're going to feed that. 
If you feed your fears, it's because you're focused on your circumstances. If you feed your faith, it's because you're focused on Jesus. And the Bible says, when the wind, he saw the wind, he began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. Now, let me ask you a question. You mean to tell me that if the wind wasn't blowing, he would still be able to walk on water? No. Because walking on water was a miracle. So why did he let some wind stop him from doing something that he couldn't do whether the wind was there or not? And that's what happens when you and I get our eyes off of Jesus. When we get our eyes off of the word, what will happen? We'll look at the news instead of the good news. Someone say amen to that. Amen. So when his shift, his focus shifted from Jesus, who is the source of miracles, then it shifted him from faith to fear. Here's number two. We must rehearse our past victories or the victory of others. These are things to do. These are, this is how we have faith in challenging times. We're going to rehearse. Everybody say rehearse. Come on, say it again. Let me hear you. We're going to rehearse our past victories. Or watch this. If you can't remember and you get spiritual, listen, uh, uh, amnesia, because sometimes the devil will make you feel like God ain't done nothing in your life. Well, if you can't remember anything of what God did in your life, then rehearse the victory of other people. In other words, your testimony, the testimony of others, or the testimony of Scripture is what you and I need to rehearse during these challenging times. Why? Listen to this. This is good. Because God has designed your testimony to be the thing that boosters your faith when you're faced with challenges. I'm going to say that again. God has designed your testimony to be the thing that boosters your faith when you're faced with challenges. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says this. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now come, salvation and strength. And listen, and power of our Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. That's the devil. And watch what happens. It says, verse 11, and they, everybody say, I'm a they. Come on, say it right there at home. Say, I'm a they. It says, and they, watch this, overcame him. Overcame who? Overcame the accuser of the brethren. Overcame the devil. Overcame the virus. Overcame a negative situation. How? By the word, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Because God will use your testimony to boost your faith when you're faced with challenges. Now, the message translation of that verse says this. They defeated him, the devil, through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. Wow. And then the Amplified, which I love, says this. And they have overcome and conquered him by means of the blood of the lamb. Watch this. And by the utterance of their testimony. Listen, when you are faced with challenging times, that's not the time to shut up. That's the time to talk up. He says we must utter our testimony. And this is the very thing that David did in order to defeat Goliath. He rehearsed his past victories, which produced the faith that he needed for his next challenge. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34, watch what it says. And David said unto Saul, who was the king at the time, Your servant, I've kept my father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took them out of the flock. 
In verse 35, he says, And I went after this bear and this lion, and I smote them, and I delivered it out of his mouth. I caught him by the beard. He rose up against me, and I smote him and slew him. This is David talking. And then he says, Thy servant slew both the lion, here's his testimony, and both the bear. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that cannot be defeated, that will be defeated? In other words, David said, listen, I've been here before. And some of you, listen, don't act like you've not been here before. The same God that brought you out the last time you were laid off is the same God that can deliver you if you are ever laid off. Don't act like you got laid off and you ain't. Whatever you expect, you get. Amen. Your testimony of what God has done and the testimony of others or the testimony of Scripture, you need to rehearse. Everybody say rehearse. All right. Let's go to now. Uh, you know, I want, I want to testify right now. So years ago, I have a cousin named Melvin. And Melvin uh, said, cuz, I called my credit card company. And they said I didn't have a balance. Melvin knew he had a balance. He said, they said it was zero. So he asked them, he says, hey, can you go and see when the last payment was made and, and who made it? And they checked the payment and it was whoever made the payment. Notice I say whoever made the payment. Whoever made the payment brought the zero, the balance down to zero. When he told me. I didn't do like most people do. See, most people, they're haters. They're haterators. They're people that say, oh, you think you are. No, no, no. I said, Melvin, the same God that did it for you is the same God that's going to do it for me. And so I began to thank the same God that caused debt cancellation in my cousin Melvin's life. And I hope you're watching today, Melvin. But even if you're not, it don't matter. Because the same God that delivered Melvin... I begin to confess that. My wife and I begin to thank God. And you know what? It wasn't even long. Guess what happened? I called a credit card company to pay my payment. And they said, well, Mr. Connor, you don't have a balance. I said, what do you mean I don't have a balance? They said, you don't have a balance. I said, well, who made the last payment? They said, we don't know, but it is zero. How many know that I begin to praise God? I use Melvin's testimony to rehearse in my life. Here's number three. You and I doing challenging times. We must recite scripture. Everybody say recite scripture. Come on, say it again. Recite scripture. Romans 10, 17, which is a verse that most of us already know. But do you realize you can know something and not apply it? How many know that exercise is good for you? Raise your hand if you, if you know exercise is good for you. How many, I'm raising my hand. I know exercise is good for you, but Pastor Evan ain't doing none of it. In other words, I know it, but I'm not doing it. And most people, in my opinion, most Christians know this verse, but they're not applying it. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Listen, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, watch this, and hearing by the word of God. So when you and I, we hear or we recite scripture, faith, listen, is automatically built into the scripture and it will produce faith in our hearts when we hear it. In other words, it's just like sugar is in ice cream. I mean real ice cream. I'm not talking about this vegan stuff and this, you know, all of this uh, no sugar, no diet. None. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real ice cream. Sugar is in the ice cream. So when you eat the ice cream, you will taste the sugar. Well, that's how faith is. When you hear the word, faith is built into 
when you hear it. And so most people, they don't speak the word during challenging times. You know what they do? They speak what they see. Amen. You need to see yourself, watch this now, as a word carrier, as a word dispenser, not a worrier dispenser. When you recite scripture, it will produce faith in your heart, watch this, and which, which produces believing, which produces manifestation. I'm going to say that again. When you and I recite scripture, it will produce faith, which produces believing, which produces manifestation. Everybody say, that's good. And so, listen, this is why some of us are low on faith. Now, now I know you're at home. Look, just say out loud, he's coming down my street right now. Come on, say it out loud. He's coming down my street right now. I don't know your address, but I'm in your home right now. Let me tell you something. This is why some of us are low on faith. Because we have been digesting the news more than we have the good news. Praise the Lord. So let's review before I move on. Let's let's review because I need you to stay with me. All right. Number one, we must refocus on who our source is. Number two, we must rehearse our past victories or the victories of the others. Number three, you and I must recite scripture. Here's number four. We must release a seed. We must release a seed. See, let me let me explain something to you. Anytime there is a need for something, a seed must be planted. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Anytime there is a need for something, a seed must be released. If a farmer desires corn, he must release or plant corn. If your kids, you know, if you need them to get up and bring you the TV remote, you must release the seed of a request or depending on your generation, a demand. Yeah, because, you know, in my generation, see, this generation, you have to ask. Uh, uh, Junior, could you please? It wasn't like that when I was growing up. It was a demand. Uh, Evan, give me that remote. Yes, mother. Praise the Lord. In financial crisis or need, you must release See, you can't keep it and eat it. Let me tell you why. This is why. Oh, listen to me, church. Listen to me, word of truth. This is not the time to hold back seed. Why? Because if you do, remember, the Bible says there is seed, time, and harvest, which means that the moment I take a season and stop giving, when I need it as a harvest, it's not going to show up because I never planted some seed in the ground. If you want a consistent harvest in your life, you have to sow consistent seed. In Genesis 26, Pastor Sar used this verse about Isaac who sowed in the land during a time of famine. In other words, it was a drought. It was a financial crisis. And in verse 12 it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land. Watch this. And he received a hundredfold in the same year. We're still believing for double in 2020. The economy has changed, but God ain't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that brought you out yesterday. He's the same God that will bring you out today. Someone say amen to that. Listen to what it says about Isaac. The Lord blessed him. He received a hundredfold in the same year. Watch this now. The Amplified says, Then Isaac sowed a seed in that land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he had planted. And the Lord favored.
favored him with blessings. Watch this. And he became great. Everybody say he became great. Isaac became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. And the Bible says he owned flocks and herds and great supply. How did all that happen in a famine? Because he released some seed. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a widow woman who was faced with little. It was a drought. It was a time of famine. It kind of looked like where we are right now as a country. Because right now it looks like we're going to be in debt by trillions after this thing is over. Well, the New Living Translation of 1 Kings 17 in verse 10 says this. So Elijah went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gate of the village, he saw a widow woman who was gathering some sticks. She was gathering sticks and she said, he said to her, uh, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And the Bible says she, as she was going to go get the water because the water didn't cost her nothing. The Bible says, he said, hey, listen, can you bring me some bread too? And the Bible says, she said, I swear by the Lord your God that all I have is a single piece of bread in my house. And all I have is a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And she says, I was gathering these few sticks to cook them as a last meal. So my son and I can eat it and die. But Elijah said something to her, which I'm going to say to you right now. He said to her, don't be afraid because that's what will keep you from releasing seed. Fear. But you have to remember, whatever fear is trying to keep you from doing, it's also trying to keep you from getting. Oh, you didn't get that, did you? Listen, whatever fear is trying to keep you to not do, it's also trying to keep you from getting what you should get. And the Bible says, he said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you said, but make me a little cake first because God always wants to be first in your life. Then watch this. He said, whatever's left over, you prepare for you and your son. And the scripture says that he said to her, the Lord God of Israel says, there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time that the Lord sends rain and crops will grow again. And so she did. Watch this now. She did as Elijah said. And Elijah said to her, and the Bible says, she, he, and Elijah ate for many days. And we'll have, we'll, listen, we're still having our giving Sunday next week. We still are. Yeah, we're not going to change just because everything has changed. And you know what? I want to tell you. Start praying now and asking the Lord, Lord, what you want me to give? See, some of you all just need to start with your tithe because he wants that before anything because that removes the curse from your life. All right, let's go to number five. Number five, you and I must remind God of our past seeds that we've sown and then we need to declare a harvest on what's already been sown. I'm going to say that again. You and I must remind God of our past seeds that we've sown and declare a harvest on what's already been sown. When, listen, when you and I remind God of what you have done or what we have done, watch what it does. It activates the principle that God said his word would never return to him void. I'm going to say that again. When you and I remind God of what we've done, it activates the principle that God said in his word, his word would never return unto him void. If you go to 2 Kings chapter 20, in verse number 1, there was a man named Hezekiah who was a king at the time. And uh, he was told by the man of God that he was going to die. Now, let me just say this. If the Lord say you're going to die, go ahead and get your funeral together. 
You need to go on, call Golden Gate, and you need to go on, call whoever you need going to use, call them and get your stuff together, because you's going to die. The man of God came to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, uh, get your house in order, for you're going to die. Verse 1 says that. And so now, verse 2 says this. Oh, no, he not only said he was going to die, he says you're not even going to recover. So verse 2 says this, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Watch the first word in verse 3. Remember! In other words, he's rehearsing. He's reminding God about something. He said, Lord, remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly devotion to you. Remember, God, when I gave on giving Sunday. Remember, God, I've been giving my tithe and my offering. Remember, God, how I've been blessing your kingdom. Remember, God, how I've been blessing others. Remember, because when you and I rehearse and remind God, God has to do something because he will be in debt to nobody. Amen. And so he said, remember me because I've walked wholeheartedly and faithfully to you. And he wept bitterly. But watch this now. Before Isaiah, who told him he was going to die, before he got out of the middle court, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him and said, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, that this is what the Lord God of, of his father David says. I've heard your prayer, word of truth. I've heard your prayer, Hezekiah. I've seen your tears. Watch what he says. I will heal you. What? You mean to tell me God to change his mind? Wow. When you and I remind God of things, God changed his mind and says, you know what? I'm going to heal you. And the Bible says he told uh, Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years of your life. Amen. Can I testify just a minute? I don't know how much time I got. I'm over time right now, but it's okay because I'm almost finished. When we needed $189,000 to finish these windows on this building and we didn't have that money, I got up on a Tuesday morning and I began to remind God of seed that we had in the ground as a church that we've sown. I said, God, we are a giving church. And you said, when we give, it shall be given back to us. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and run it over. Shall men give unto thy bosom? I said, Father, you said in your word, when we give bountifully, we shall reap bountifully. And you will cause all grace and favor to abound toward us. And so I begin to remind God of the seed that we had in the ground. That was on a Tuesday. Because I was on a six-day deadline to get that money or they were going to sue us and they were going to put a, 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 a lien on the building. So Wednesday, I'm on my way to the construction meeting and you know the story. I knew that my construction manager was going to ask me, Pastor Evan, do you have the money? So I'm contemplating in my mind, on my, in my car, on my way to this building that was being built. And I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to tell Reggie? And while I'm thinking about you know, uh, what I'm going to say to Reggie. Remember, one of the five expectations of faith is God will give you favor with others. I got a phone call on my way to the meeting. I get a phone call. Pastor Evan, look, we want to bless you. We want to bless one or two family church. Gateway Church, if you'll just give us some wine instructions, we're going to give you all $200,000. You must remind God of seed that you already have in the ground. Here's number six as we get ready to close. We must rely on the Savior. After you've done your part, it's now time to rely on the Savior. It's time to let the Master be the Master. It's time to let Jesus be Jesus. It's time to let the miracle worker be the miracle worker. 
The latter part of Ephesians 6 says, And having done all to stand, watch this, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth is Jesus. Psalm 25, 2 says this, Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Let me, listen, it says, And let none that wait on you be ashamed. Wait on God. Don't manufacture a miracle. Let him do it for you. And then the last one is, we must rest in the peace of God. We serve a God, listen, that never sleeps or slumbers, church. So why are you up? Ain't no use of both of y'all being up. You just need to go and go to sleep. Proverbs 3.24 says, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep shall be sweet. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, the New Living Translation says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So, number one, we must refocus on our source. We must rehearse our past victories or the victories of others. Number three, we must recite scripture. Number four, we must release a seed. Number five, we must remind God of our past seed sown and declare a harvest on what's already been sown. Number six, we must rely on the Savior. And number seven, we must rest in the peace of God. So how are we going to apply this message today? Today and throughout the week, you are going to go on intentional praise and declaration breaks. I'm going to say that again. What you're going to do, starting today, everybody say starting today, you're going to go on some intentional praise and declaration breaks. You're going to thank God and praise God for His provision, His protection, and His promises coming to pass in your life. And then you're going to declare what those promises are that you want to see in your life. That's what we're going to do. And so right there at your home, I want you to bow your heads right there at that computer. Bow your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you have sent it out to do. And I thank you that today the word has been sown in the hearts of those who are watching and will watch. And I thank you that as they apply what was just taught, their lives will be changed for the better. And we declare in the mighty name of Jesus, we will see exactly what you declare we will see and that is the manifestation of your word and it's in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. With every head still bowed, there's somebody watching me today.